I'm glad you guys can hear that. <laughs> so, so basically, what you're telling me is is that uh, there was a there was a lot of comedy there that we didn't even get a chance to be privy to. Is that what you're um, I'd save it for the show. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin states in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, June the 15th. Um, it's, uh, let's see, we are halfway, um, pretty much exactly, through the month of June, which means July is around the corner, um, and as we have we talked a lot about lately, right, the idea of um, you know counting things down and getting closer and closer to actual football. Um, no doubt we will, um, we will be very happy to get there. Um, we're going to put the off season topics on hold tonight and we're going to talk football recruiting on this here episode. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First up in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show. How's it going, my friend? Pretty good, man. You know, it's, um, I'm anxious for football season to get here, but it is lake season and that does kind of make it easier to wait. So, uh, who days on the board at who days on Twitter? I uh, completely forgot I was supposed to make the joke about the um, board moderator du jour or whatever. Um, so, so all right, before we, before we introduce Ferber, I don't know if you guys were like wrestling fans in like the 80s and 90s like I was, but whenever somebody would win the championship, right, and like, you know, they were challenging for it and then they win the championship, Howard Finkel would be like, and hey, no! Whatever, right? And I feel like now that Ferber lives in Charlottesville, I feel like I should do something special for for his his location. Um, but uh, editor in chief Justin Ferber from Charlottesville, uh, how are you tonight, my friend? Yeah, it's, it feels good to say that, or to hear you say that. I guess um, I think this is since I've been a full time uh, panel member, or whatever you want to call it here. Um, you're I think a co-host this is, for the record. You're a co-host. Yeah, I think this is one, two, three, four, like five or six different places. So yeah, hopefully, yeah. I think I think this one's for good though. So or at least for a, for a long time. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, looking to learn more about this town. I heard there's some football teams <laughs> and basketball teams to play here. So add Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter and uh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for in-game updates, content items, and the occasional. Um, lighting hokies on fire. Um, man, they I were really, just real quick really in, in the proverbial Charlottesville just for yes. the, yeah. just to provide the uh, top content for us. Yeah, that's that's kind of yeah. I saw I, I saw one famous UVA sports person over the no, weekend. No, wait, wait. I have a whole bit who's, for this. Who's, wait, hold yeah. on. I have a whole bit for this. Okay, <laughs> so here's what I think. I think from now on, forever, what you should do is that every week we should we should do like a like a check in, so to speak, and like we should give it a name. Okay, and we should like like um like Paparazzi Corner or something, right? And we're like, Ferber, who did you see this week? All right, and then you can be like, Yeah, I saw Chris Long. At such and such and such, eating a such and such, 
or whatever. Whatever I saw that thing Tubby Smith at the Seven <laughs> Eleven. Saw Rick Barnes on, on Ivy. No, um, but I do think it would be really Mark funny. Rick and Damon Dillman were eating subs. Oh my there. goodness gracious! Thanks, alive. All right, let's move on. Um, let's see. Where I was? I had a, I had a joke before about you moving uh, to Charlottesville. Oh, that's what it was. It was like I got Fishersville and now I got Charlottesville. So, um, you know, somebody's gonna have to. I guess I'm gonna have to move to like Rixleyville. I think that if you look at that, like the uh, if you look at like a map of where we are, I think this is probably as close as we've been geographically combined. That's true. You know, like the 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 triangle is much smaller now. If that makes sense. Um, I feel like on some level, we're gonna have to have a in person show. In the not too distant future, sure. Yeah. Um, Berber invited us over. Yeah, you can come do it here. I mean, yeah, I live. All like, right. walking, I live it. walking distance from a lot of like establishments that we could go do it at, or we could just do it here. No, no, we do it there. But Dave's but, but, already. Dave's already like, can you just go park your car in the tailgate spot? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, I would like. I, least, actually, I'm still coming early. Just alleviate the stress of worrying about someone having um, a spot. Ferber's going to be like buy one of those little uh, e bikes or whatever, so you can park his car. And then like e-bike over, and then just throw it in the back. You know, you mean like a scooter? You know, no, like an e-bike. You know, it's oh, like okay. a bike, but it actually has like a uh, like an electric motor. So oh yeah, 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 yeah. My dad's of, been looking at You sort of pedal a little bit, and then you just go. <laughs> yeah, I um, actually rode one of those like a couple months ago. It's pretty wild. The I had a joke about how you move to Charlottesville and instantly you sound as good as you've ever literally sounded on the podcast. I don't think mm-hmm. I think there's a correlation there, or you just got the right microphone. It's one of those two. It's just the the sweet mountain air and the from the banks of the Rivanna, you know. Wow, is that even the river? I don't even know. I think that's right. But <laughs> if you see me around town and I don't respond, it's probably because I have my headphones in. I'm not being a jerk. Um, so just come up and give me a shove. Wow. All right. Well, let's 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 get out let's get out of that whatever that was. Actually, um, you know what? If you're listening to the podcast and you're like, I would shove him, then you I probably don't want to talk to you, and I probably am ignoring you. Wow. I probably am ignoring you is a really good podcast topic. Um, topic. No, not sorry. Sorry. <laughs> are we no. that are we that out of material? <laughs> the dog days of summer, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and summer's just starting. Top five people you would ignore. Top five people. F- top five names on the board. Brad right. would just be all of the security people at all the things. <laughs> You're gonna have people thinking that like I'm trying to like smuggle like contraband in. Um, mm-hmm. I just really want them to like you know. You're gonna get that the cavity Bitcoin. search from Wayne's World. <laughs> uh, right. Um, no. So wait, can we go back a second? So <laughs> what I meant to all say. This. No, no, no. This is all in the show. This is all going to the show. Um. I, I do like the idea though that that Dave called it the dog days of summer and it's June fifteenth. <laughs> yeah, no joke. It's more like the dog days. Like of the it's like it's like July eighteenth you know? or right. something. But yeah. the thing is, is that like because football season really, I mean, if you think about it, like the run up to preseason really starts August first. So we're we kind of are getting closer to that, really. But it's and before you get before that, you get when my kids start ACC school August ninth. I mean, that's this wild. is a dog oh, days. That for us. seems really early. Yeah. They've been and out for get, like three weeks already. You also get like ACC, the kickoff event. That's like mid-July or like July 20th or whatever. Because practices start early August. So it's coming. It's not too far off. Yeah. August 9th seems early, man. Yeah. Welcome to the Valley, brother. I feel like down here the kids go back earlier just because, man, we are way off topic. Um, 
Just because, yeah, it gets you out earlier. There's like the King's Dominion law, or I don't know if that's still a thing anymore. Um, I don't, I'm not a fan. We, we can have a whole podcast about how I'm not a fan of the new schedule up here. It's terrible for youth sports. It's terrible for me. Like my kids' summer is over by the time they get back out of camp in July. It's crazy. I, I appreciate that you left, that you you didn't lead with the on me part. You you tried to pack that in. Um, yeah. You know, with everything else. All right. We're go- we're almost eight minutes into this thing, and we haven't actually talked about the topic at hand. Although, I, I bet you, I wonder how long we could just talk we could, <laughs> before we actually touch the actual topic. I always um, wanted to do that one week. Well, if we do this for another five minutes, this will be the show. <laughs> but I always wanted to do one where we just turn the mics on and just be like, let's just kind of let's just hang it out. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We'd be at 31 totally minutes already. Even I don't know what the first 10 minutes is going to yeah. be good listening. That's true. So that's true. Um, he said 31 minutes. Well, technically, Ferber didn't get on until uh, several minutes later because he was doing something with his mic we couldn't hear. I just really wish there was audio of that, you know, like I, I wish I wish that we did that thing like a lot of podcasters do where they record their stuff locally. And so that there so at some point Ferber would send me a, a wave file or something like raw um, and <laughs> it's just him going, hello, hello, hello into the mic repeatedly just to see if it worked, see if it was all hooked up right. Um, this is why we're second best podcast. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about that? I was, no, no, no going to say you will. Congratulations. But dang. This is 465 episodes, man. Like, come on. Anyway. I was going to say, this would have been a great episode to do the uh, the audio, like the tags of like when we switch topics. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. People are going to be like, when does this end? When does this end? Where does it go? Um, we should have done this, but thrown in random recruit names. So when people were doing the 30-second skip, they didn't <laughs> they randomly, thought we were on topic. They just, ran, <laughs> just randomly catch Miles Green. Um. It's really funny. Okay, so let's let's actually talk recruiting. All right, I, listen. In the pantheon of things you're concerned about, Dave, the fact that UVA only has four commitments and it is June the fifteenth. Where does that rank? And I don't mean to start in a place of panic because we, I, I do think there's some good there's some talent in this in this small class so far in the way they've started it. Um, and I do like the fact that seventy five percent of the kids are from the Commonwealth. Um, but typically, right about now is when you know the rubber really meets the road and there's more in the um you know in the hopper so to speak to put this in context for the class of 2022 if you look just solely on the time frames by which guys were committed UVA was already up to 5 or 6 at that point um if you go back um maybe one more class back uh if you want to say okay well you know 22 is weird whatever whatever um if you look back in 2021 so the most of those kids can committed in 20 2019 or 2020 you're talking about there was by the beginning of June, there was like double digits at least, right? Um, two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 15, 17. It looks like by the time they had Javin Burke on the 17th, who just announced he was transferring. Anyway, um, where, where, how, how concerned are you that they don't have a whole lot in the hopper so far? I mean, I'm concerned just because, you know, you need to do some heavy lifting up till this point. Um, but I don't know if I'm overly concerned. I'd love to have eight, ten right now. But look, they've gone after some. If you look at kind of where the roster is right now, there's a lot of sophomores and and juniors that kind of haven't played a lot. Um, so you can make the argument that hey, they've got a lot of guys to kind of figure out who they are before they go recruiting heavy at certain positions. Um, but I think what you see, like the the guys who 
who they've got offers out to um, are some like big names and they've, they've had several commit to other places over the last few weeks. And that's going to happen when you're, you know, kind of fishing for that level of yeah. talent. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, overall, I kind of like what, when you, when you read what the recruits say about the recruiting pitches and, and stuff, and I think they're getting some guys on grounds who weren't necessarily coming a few years ago. Um, and it's a good process. We know it. Like, you know, they've got to prove things, evidently. Um, but, yeah, right now I, I'd like to have more. But I like the pieces they do have. And if I look at the roster, I can see why they're not just, like, randomly throwing throwing out offers to try to fill spots. And it sounds like my hunch is there's a few more coming and that's no inside information. Just, um, you know, they've got some positive momentum now. Some guys have taken visits recently. If they can close them and you get up to six or seven in the next few couple of weeks, um, then I think you're at a solid spot. What do you think? Do you, do you feel like there's some, some reason to be a little bit uh, trepidatious um, because they only have four commitments right now through the middle of June? Um, yeah, I think, as you get further into the summer, maybe the concern level goes up a little bit. I would say, and I, somebody on the board asked about this a little while back, a few weeks ago, and they were like, what's going on? There's only two commitments or however many there were at that time. And I said, you know, and I still believe this, like this month, usually June is when things pick up. Um, you know, we saw that a lot with the London era. Like they would, they would go after the guys they really liked early. And then, you know, you miss on some guys. And then in June, you start evaluating more players um, once spring ball is over, May, June, you know, you start looking at more film, you start offering more guys, you get more visits because school is out, you get your camps. So I think like you really start to, it starts to sort of springboard that way. There were a lot of guys in the Bronco era and and obviously before that as well, that got offered at camps here and then committed immediately or, or whatever, because it was their best offer. I wouldn't rule that sort of thing out. Um, I think the encouraging thing, like Dave said, is they've been getting a lot of good players here for the weekend or during midweeks, whatever, especially now that school's over. Like we're right in the middle of the busy um, official visit season, I guess you could call it. And, you know, they're, they're getting a lot of talent through the doors and um, not everybody's going to commit on the spot, but I think that they probably stand in a pretty good place with, with some of these guys and, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I like that the player, I like the players that they have already. Um, and I think that they're building something, but yeah, I mean, I think they're laying the groundwork. I'm not too worried about it. And, and in part, I don't really know how big this class is going to be anyway. Um, we'll see, but I kind of think, and you know, maybe we'll be talking about this again next year, but I kind of think they're setting up for a sort of foundational 2023 class where they get some good guys. They really like, maybe it's not the biggest class, um, but they start to, you know, build what they're trying to build. And then in 2024, maybe they, they take a little bit of a leap and start to maybe close on some guys that they might not have been able to before, especially if they can do well on the field this season. Um, and I think that that's sort of how it's setting up. So not super worried Four is, I mean, if you'd asked me three months ago, how many commitments I would have thought they would have had by now, I would have probably said like seven or eight. Um, but that doesn't mean, I mean, like we've seen this before, um, you can get three or four in two days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they could very quickly turn this into 10, 10 players in the class and yeah. you know, the next two weeks or something. I have, I have so many thoughts on everything you just said, and I lost like three of them as you kept going. So I'm going to do my best to sort of unpack my brain here. First off, it is a little, I, I will, the reason I asked the question is because as I was looking at the, um, the list of the uh, commitments on the site, 
it's hard to ignore the fact that they got one on six six and one on six five, right? So they got two two like basically half their class came ten days ago, and that's a little bit like okay. To Dave's point, I, the number of kids in this class I think is um, I think is is in some ways important, but also the bigger picture of as Ferber was talking about, like the foundation. Which, for the record, nobody from UVA paid Ferber to to use the word foundation there, um, at least as far as I know. Maybe they're in the construction phase now, or whatever the construction phase. But they, you know, the idea that like this class is going to be sort of. Um, in some ways more about the long term like and I don't mean that in terms of like the way guys fit in four years and such and such, but I'm talking about like getting the program sort of back on track. The fact that three of the four are from Virginia, I think is a really good sign. The fact that one of them is from Highland Springs, like I can't tell you. Like I understand that the UVA has had guys from Highland Springs. Billy Kemp is on the roster, right? Um but man it's to get a guy from from like a like a um, one of your sort of bigger programs in the state, one of your most successful programs, um, a place that that you know puts out talent year in and year out, it seems like that kind of stuff matters, man. Because now you got you you've got a kid who who is committed, who looks to Billy Kemp and, and thinks of him as a, as as you know um, somebody he can look up to, and now you've got other guys who like see the both of them. You know what I mean, like. It's hard to that's one of those things that is that is really unique I think about the role that in-state recruiting works or makes for for football recruiting, right? Like the in-state schools, you're not necessarily getting guys just because it's close. Like you shouldn't necessarily recruit just because it's close. But the difference is is that the exposure that you get is so magnified because of the exposure that you get from the other kids that you get, right? And I and I realize that's some galaxy brain stuff, but but walk with me here. Like you don't, if you recruit some kid from, you know, insert name of random high school in like somewhere in the Midwest, right? That doesn't mean that that school can't also have lots of talent. They might. Right. But what are the chances that you're going to pull three, four kids from that specific school? Right. In order to like lay a pipeline to that actual school, right. You'd need to think about how many kids you'd have to lay before everybody was like, everybody in like Hawkins, Indiana is really focused on going to Virginia. Right. But you live in Richmond, you live in Norfolk, right? Like that's a very different animal when you've got three, four guys that you know went there, guys who you can talk to about their experience, right? People who know them that you know, right? Like that's a very different animal. So I do like the fact that three of the four guys are from Virginia. Um, and I also genuinely like the, the talent they got. Um, who, Dave, of the four that they've, they've, they've picked up commitments from this far, are, do you have a favorite of that group? Who who kind of stands out to you um, most? What, whose film do you like the best? Talk to me a little about the four they've gotten. I love them all, Brad. <laughs> I love all, them all equally. All they're they're all twenty five percent of under, my heart. Underrated. Um, I mean, Cole Serber. I think you know he's 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 nice. He's got some big offers. I like his film. Um, if I had to pick one, I would go with Miles Green, just because kind of what you're alluding to there. You know he. Like I know Cole's from Virginia as well, so is Hawthorne. But um, Miles Green's from the school of Virginia. <laughs> like, there's a lot of talent that comes through Holland Springs. Um, and just to piggyback off that thought you had about kind of getting the train of guys coming, you know, coming into Virginia. Um, I think it was what Christian Martin's his name, right? The 24 quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had that article with him, and he said, "I've been to a game at Virginia before." Yeah. Like. 
that kid should have been to multiple games. He should have been to like before. eight. It's an hour drive. Like yeah. you don't become good overnight if you're the quarterback of a team like Holland Springs. He's been a good player for a while. If we had more players from Holland Springs, he would have been to many games at Virginia. So um, to me, like that's kind of the the foundation you, you guys were talking about. That's what you've got to build. And we've talked about it before, but you know, if you've got guys from a team on your team, you know, from a local school on your team and the coach can say, Hey, I want to meet and make the hour drive up tomorrow though. We can get tickets. Um, that helps. And, but yeah, just getting back to the original question. I, I like green a lot, not only from where he's from, but you know, a position of need and he's an athletic kid. Um, and you know, there's really no one, you know, the, um, no one that's committed yet that I think is a stretch. They're all, they've all got good film. They all kind of fit what we're looking for. Um, Hawthorne was sort of out of nowhere, but he was a little out of nowhere, but only in the sense of like, you know, it, 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 once you like watch his film and you understand like the dynamics of the running back position at the, you know, in terms of the roster right now, it makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? And you know, he's that triple option quarterback. Who's going to be a running back this year. He's transferring schools. I can't remember which one he's going to colonial um, forge, I believe. Same school as uh, McConnell. Gotcha. Yeah. And then, you know, if you think about it, like a zone runner is a little different than a traditional runner. They got to be able to take that second and see the hole. And that's kind of what a a triple option quarterback does too. So um, I I see the, see the vision there. And then you've got to realize they've already got Cody Brown on board. So like, I think all, it's hard to look at the guys individually and, you know, with, you know, without considering how they fit into who's on the roster, because, yeah, we talk so much about the older guys on the roster, but there's a lot of young guys on the roster, and then their development will kind of tell you what you need to do to fill it in, fill in yeah, the gaps. Yeah, I agree. Um, Ferber, I, I feel like of of the guys that that they've picked up so far, you can make an argument for why each one is really important. Um, I'm not going to get into like who is the most important get, but I think it's a collective right now. Um, and look, when you're talking about four. It's hard to get, but you know, it's hard to get, but so you know, choosy, um, because you don't have a lot of like, um, you know, kind of like a, um, um, you don't have like a lot of like um, coverage, so to speak, right? You don't have a lot of like um, saturation, right? There's not, but so much to dig into. I think Green is really interesting from the sense of, you know, he's we we've got him in the database at six three two forty. My guess is that's that's straight from. A, I'm going to check that while I'm talking. I'm guessing that's straight from Rivals Camp, um, which is always a good sign, right? When when you can get actual real heights and weights on kids, as opposed to, you know, some dude just said he was allegedly, <laughs> you know, who so just said this or said that. Um, but I feel like for a guy like him, you know, to be committed this early is a really really good sign. Um, you know, he's got a decent offer list already, and I wouldn't be surprised because they're probably going to do some camp stuff. Um, that 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 you know, improves. Um, so I feel like as they go forward, you know, he, I could totally see him picking up an, an extra offer too. So the fact that they got him early is, I think a good sign is what, what stands out to you about the, the group so far. Is there any specific thing that you like best? Any guy you like best, any person's film you like best? Uh, I like green um, for sure. Um, and server, both in-state players, both fill positions of need. Jarvis Lee is definitely like a, a guy that could end up being a really solid player. Um, that was, I think that was a nice get for them right out of a visit because, you know, the, he had other visits planned um, it seems and, and decided to just commit. So I thought that was a good get position. I mean, they're going to have to kind of 
rebuild the secondary. So I think that one really intrigues me. Um, and, you know, I think that getting into Florida and Georgia and places like that is going to be really big for this staff considering connections there. And um, until they can get to a place where they can really win in state a lot, um, you know, they're going to need to mine those areas. So I really like that one. Um, honestly, like the, the two defensive guys are probably the guys that I would be most excited about. And they sort of committed at the same time. So, um, I think that's great. I think that, um, I'm, I'm really intrigued about like what comes next because there's a few guys that, um, have visited or are close to decisions or, you know, things seem to be moving towards a conclusion and UVA is in the mix. So, I think that very quickly, you know, some of my favorite guys in the class might change, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's a good start with the four that they have and um, I'm excited to see how they get from four to 12 or, you know, like what those next eight or so players look like, especially, and we haven't gotten to this topic yet, but quarterback um, that's, that's definitely something that's on the horizon. Yeah. Well, all right. So let's, so you got a, you get, you get a defensive lineman, you got a DB, you got a running back and an offensive lineman. That's a nice way to spread. Like if we were talking about a draft, right. And we were trying to put together a class, that's a pretty good start, but you would want your quarterback. Um, and I think you'd probably given sort of where things are at the wide receiver position, I would imagine you'd probably want to, you know, one or two of them. Right. Um, it, for let's, let's, let's pull that thread. So in terms of the quarterback position, is there a guy out there that you want more than the others? Um, and no, you can't say Arch Manning because we're gonna we're gonna try to handle this seriously. <laughs> um, but in in general, like, is there a guy out there among the the serious targets that you 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 sort of have penciled in? You know, sort of guy who you, you have circled who you really hope is is the guy. Um, not really. You know, I think I think the board. So just to kind of give like my take on the quarterback market um Avery Johnson was a guy that they were kind of after it seems like he's not going to come here um I saw something tonight an article that basically was like he's close to a decision and it looks like it's Washington Oregon and Kansas State so um scratch him off the list too uh but yeah like Brock Glenn certainly a guy they offered recently there's a lot of SEC interest there he's more of a pocket passer Um, personally, I think I've become a little bit biased towards the dual threat guys from the previous coaching staff. I think that it just uh, raises the ceiling and is probably the easiest way to win at a school like UVA. So I would like to see them go that route, but right now I feel like they're resetting the board, right? So, you know, they're taking a look at who's out there. Um, they're sort of going from like their a list to their B list and their B list is still, you know, good, solid players, but um, I think that you're going to see some offers go out. There one went out this week. Um, Anthony, I want I hope I'm not mispronouncing his last name. Calandre. Um, he's committed to middle Tennessee state. So that's an interesting one. He's really small. Um, I think he's like five ten or something like that. Um, but if you're getting recruited at this level and you're five ten, you're probably pretty damn good, um, at quarterback. So yeah, interesting to see where that one goes. Um, certainly would be an intriguing player. It would be kind of weird to have, you know, go to such a small quarterback after the previous coaching staff went for such big guys um, for the most part. So that would be interesting. I really think they're sort of in limbo with quarterback right now um, just because, you know, they, they went after some guys, they maybe didn't close, um, which not to be, you know, not a surprise considering where they were looking. Um, And now it's about resetting, seeing what's out there, maybe get a couple more offers out and then try to close one of those guys before it gets, to a point where you can't get them. 
Calandre, I mean, like if he's interested in playing uh, power five football, I mean, instead of going to MTSU, like UVA would probably have to be on the radar for him. Cause I think that's the only P five offer he has right now. Right. So, I mean, like, we'll see where that goes, but um, if that one doesn't, if he doesn't like make a move towards UVA quickly, then I could see them putting some more offers out there. So in terms of quarterbacks, I believe UVA's got offers out to nine of them. Um, Brock, yeah, I mean, there are definitely some other offers out. I yeah. just don't know like if those guys are really like in the mix. Yeah, I got um, you. I got you. I but got I could you. be wrong. So if you want to read them off. No, no, no. no I, I don't. I, I don't. Because that's the thing is that like most of the guys who, who they have offers out to are, you know, already committed, honestly. Um, or guys that they just had no shot at. Right. Like the yeah. dude from Detroit. They're not right. getting him. Yeah, right. And 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 this is always a this is always a tough thing for folks because, you know, for some folks it's it's like oh well, why why don't they have a shot like well I mean they just don't, um but the you know I mean he's he's a five star he's like the number nine player in the country or whatever, um I, I wonder about Lenore Sellers do you guys ever think about like I mean he's a you know he's an interesting prospect and he certainly not necessarily as valued in our evaluation um. Versus maybe some somebody else, some others, um, but the fact that he landed at Syracuse didn't surprise me at all, of course. But I'm just curious if 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 you ever think about what might have been with him um, since he was committed here. Uh, personally, I, I kind of thought he was like a project. Yeah. Um, so I mean, like that's not to mean he can't be good. And we clearly, I have a lot of faith in that coaching staff's ability to develop quarterbacks. Um, we've seen it, so uh, we'll see. I'm not surprised he landed there. I'm also not really surprised that UVA didn't. I would imagine part of the calculus is UVA probably was like, we're good. Like, I don't, I don't know that they were like, Oh, we got to keep him. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think that there was any effort. I don't remember them going to visit him or anything like, well, I guess I don't even know if they can do that. Um, but regardless, I think him going to Syracuse, you know, fine, good fit for him. They move on. Yeah. So let's talk about, so beyond quarterback, Dave, um, I mean, I think everybody, if you know, we're all being honest, um, that's, that's, you know, um, that's the, if the, if, if we had our druthers, uh, if you can't have arch, you you'd probably take the Glenn kid, I think more, you know, um, yeah. you know, yeah, I think you take it. Yeah. He's a good player. Yeah. I like good. his, I like his film a lot. Um, but so beyond quarterback, is there Not a position? That we think we got a shot with him. He's got some big offers. You know? <laughs> I, th- I think a shot's fine. I'm good with a shot, you know, yeah. uh, I'm not going to say that about the Johnson kid at this point um, who, you know, um, I mean, they're similar. They're both five, eight kids in terms of rivals rating. But anyway, yeah. uh, beyond quarterback, what, what position do you feel like needs the most attention? I mean, honestly, not to cop out, but it kind of depends on how guys develop. You know, there's just so. Yeah, that's, I'm like, glad you said that. I'm really glad yeah, you said I mean, that. Like to me, with Cerber committed, you you pretty much at offensive line, you just go after like stars, right? Like bona fide four or, or five stars at this point. Or, or if you, you're not gonna let's 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 edit that just for the folks who are like, well, oh, we don't need what we what he really means by that is your best available guys on your board that you think yeah. the best, the most high, you know, the high, the highest rated, the guys you think the most of. Yeah, I mean, maybe you can take a one project, but. You know, I think any other numbers at the offensive line position, just given the fact that they've got six coming into this class, you know, yeah. as freshmen this year, and then they've got five the class before that. That's eleven dudes in two classes. You can't put four in this class. Um, you got to have some space there. And 
So, you know, if you can get, you know, a really highly regarded guy, great. But I don't think you want to take four or five projects in this class yeah. is what I'm getting at. Um, yeah. I think tight ends a position you could look at, even though I like uh, Carson Gay a lot. But And then wide receiver just depends. You know, you could lose everyone, but you could have a bunch of talent coming back next year. Um, yeah. And then is there a wide receiver out there that you really like a lot? What did you say? I said, there is there a I mean, the, the Humphreys kid was just there. I like him yeah. and Culver a lot. Both of them, to me, seem pretty solid. Um, but I just was yeah, curious. Was there, there's, there's one other whose name I'm forgetting right now. Um, uh, the Jackson kid, too. Is, I know he's going to take a trip. Um, Clinton Jackson from um, Georgia. What about is Amari Thomas a wide receiver? Amari Thomas yeah, is a wide yeah, receiver. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if I had, uh, I think Thomas and Humphreys probably. Both were yeah, here yeah, at the they, same they time. They might become who's. Um, yeah. yeah. If I had to guess, but um, yeah, I like them. And then, you know, you start looking, you think defensive line all the time, but there's a lot of youth on the defensive line. Um, they added a Sue, bunch Bryce, of dudes. I did, that, I did that transfer thing this week, and I was like, man, they added a lot of defensive they line. They really did. Yeah. And that was really yeah. eye-opening, honestly, like as I was editing that. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because it's like in my mind's eye, they added a bunch of offensive linemen, but they didn't. They added, they added a bunch of defense. They added linemen. one. <laughs> yeah. They added one because the uh, other kid's not coming. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say this because we need we need numbers, right? But yeah, I think you can almost be picky and pick and choosy with this class, um, especially with the transfer portal there, because there's going to be some positions where you've got to add via the transfer portal uh-huh. because you need guys a little more physically mature than the average incoming freshman. And two, you need to space the classes out a little bit. Um, you know, quarterback's a position where that could very much come into yeah. play. Yeah. But you also have to, when you look at Virginia's roster, you know, you can think of it as a fan, like, oh, like Lavelle Davis or Dontavian Wicks could leave next year, right? Because we know they've got the potential if they really have a great year to, to go. Uh-huh. But if you're a four or five star wide receiver, there's no guarantee they're leaving next year. Right. And someone else is offering right. money to come here. So, you know, it, you know, it changes the, the calculus quite a bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know what the one position I would be looking at other than quarterback. I, I Honestly, I think I'd be more focused on getting whatever guys are higher on my board, uh, regardless of position, I'd be concentrating on them. And yeah. as corny as this sounds, like just getting in these high schools in Virginia and, and like and something we'll get hopefully get into before the end of this podcast is just what they're up against um, from some conversations I've had over the – yeah, we've talked yeah, about let's, over the let's, let me, weeks. let's let's do this first before we get there because I do want to get there. So I feel like so we can talk about positions that we feel like they should hit. I, I think it, it's safe to say that the position I feel the most comfortable with right now, even though if you look at the 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 four they've got, yeah, they've got a defensive end. I think they're probably going to load up even more on the defensive front because if you think about the guys that they seem to be in a really good position for, right? You've got the two Woodbury kids, right? Which I, I think they're in a pretty good spot for both of them. Um, I, I know, you know, Laura has been a little bit all over the place, um, but I, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time thinking yeah. that UVA is like out, out. You know what I mean? I just feel like they're still in the mix. Um, and Mookam was just there. Yeah, and then you got Turner, who was just there, um, who's a, you know, I think is a, is a really nice, you know, prospect mm-hmm. too. You know, decent size, good frame. Um, I just if you think about like the number of defensive linemen that they could that they really could bring in, I, I wouldn't be surprised because I feel like the the some of these guys like give them a lot of versatility because from a roster standpoint, you know, we know that they they still have not yet necessarily like narrowed it down in terms of 
like what they really want to be. Um, I'm curious how that like really translates when you when you're trying to plan ahead. But man, I think that that's where I am with this. Really strong. That's where I am with this. You're asking about like which position is the most important. That's that's a call that they have to make based on what defense they want to run. Because like you can look. At, I mean, a lot of times when there's a coaching change, it's like the biggest positions of need or whatever that other staff wasn't doing that you're going to do. So if you're going to have a three, four, you need more inside linebackers. You need different defensive linemen. Um, you know, if they're going to run a four down set, you know, you need maybe some different players, you know, like edge guys, but guys that can play with their hand in the dirt versus just linebackers. Um, your linebackers have to kind of play different. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of where I land with that. Same on offense. Like, not every not every offense is going to be designed like the nigh offense, so you need to kind of take that into consideration. With you, know, maybe the tight end is a little bit differently valued or something like that. Um, all of those different things. Yeah, yeah, I think you you kind of can get an idea of what the staff thinks just based on what they've done already, right? Exactly. Like, yep. You know, clearly they thought the defensive line needed more more bodies. You know, you got Akira Camper Davis um, Butler potentially Fox, you know, which are kind of all in that, even if they're outside linebackers, they're basically pass rushers in that system. Yeah. But they didn't really go after any true linebackers. They really didn't go after any defensive backs. So they must be okay with those guys. Mm -hmm. And then offensively, they went after another running back. They went after a lot of offensive linemen, obviously, but you know, so, you know, that's, that seems to be the fact that they didn't go hard after defensive backs takes, makes me think, they didn't Maybe really they do any than, like I don't that I remember. Yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, they had that because even like positions like they didn't get a tight end, but they offered the dude from Lafayette that went to Iowa. Right. Yeah. Um, like you know, so like there was an effort made. Receiver like they were kind of quiet. You know, quarterback. They I mean, were they quiet. got Chandler, but that was kind of already in place. That was a Bronco ad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like you know, you can kind of look at the positions and be like, yeah, this is what, and that's kind of how I feel about the twenty twenty three class. Like. Um, I think they're offering guys that make sense, but I also think you can sort of see the, the desire to add to certain positions by offers and things like that. And they've been a little slower to offer some positions and mm-hmm. quicker to like the quarterback thing. They seem like they're being very deliberate, right? Yeah. Previous staffs I've seen like not the Broncos staff so much, but like maybe Mike staff or other yeah. staffs that I see yeah. around the country, they'll be, they'll throw out 15 quarterback offers like immediately. And they'll just, and then one of those dudes might commit and he might be the 14th best quarterback on your board um, that you even think you have a shot at. So yeah, I don't know. Like uh, I think that that could work. You just don't want to be left, you know, holding the bag if everybody's committed elsewhere. Um, but the good news is, you know, in recruiting at this point, nobody can sign anywhere. Right. Yeah. So you still have time to work on guys. Right. If, if you know, and, quarterback. And do you guys think, and maybe this is just an assumption I'm making, like, and based on what I've seen of Tony Elliott, to me, I think he's a guy, and y'all can tell me I'm just hoping he is, um, that would rather be slow to offer someone than to offer someone he doesn't think he can take. Yeah. Well, think about his. Think well, he's about very his, deliberate. Anyway, yeah. He's thinking about the job general. stuff. Yeah. Like, think about when he took the job. Right. Yeah. Like he was very mindful and he talked, you know, he's talked about that, you know, socials and, and media and stuff. Right. Like he had his very clear idea what he wanted in, in and he was very deliberate about going about it. You know, I think his recruiting style seems to be, um, you know, he's he's a very energetic guy, but he's not someone who who makes rash decisions. Right. Like he he definitely seems it's almost I, I, I hate to 
to keep with this this analogy, but it's like if you took some of the aspects of Bronco and some of the aspects of Mike and put them together, right? Um, there, it actually does sort of check out a little bit, right? Like Mike, Mike was very good with the kids. I mean, there's just no way around that, right? Now, granted, they would get to to, to grounds and realize like, oh man, he's a little bit in over his head. Um, the organization struggled, right? But in terms of the one-on-one, like Mike was great. And he was a hell of a recruiter when he was an assistant. He was a hell of a recruiter when he was a coach. Um, you know, Bronco had a lot of these things, you know, that deliberative nature. He was not someone who who easily pulled a trigger on an offer. Now, sometimes I think UVA did a little bit too much, you know, hard sell. Hey, you got 24 hours to make this decision and we're, or we're going to move on. Um, and it bit them. Or they would, I feel like sometimes they would make offers that were like, very quick trigger, like after camps and stuff right. like that. Yes. Yeah. They were very, Where I'd be like, were, Oh, they offered that dude. Interesting. And then, yeah. you know, it's like, okay. Yeah. Like, and then but he committed a, immediately. But that, that kind of speaks exactly what I'm getting at, which is like, you know, they were, they were typically very deliberate about things, except for in those moments like camps where they, you know, they would see a kid and, and be convinced. And instead of thinking like, Hey, is that just one camp performance? You know, did the kid just have? And one I think good that's day? fair. I think you kind of have to do a blend of like, if yeah, you I think, think you so. found somebody that's really special in an environment like that, get them. You know, but there there have been examples of it not working out too. And I think I think also what you're seeing, Dave, I think is Clemson's approach. Um, obviously, it's a very different situation, and I hope that I'm sure that the coaching staff knows that. Um, but they are they're notoriously. Um, limited in the number of offers yeah like, something like nine clemson offers are real offers yeah. yeah clemson doesn't do fake offers like some schools do they're real and they offer like a hundred dudes and you know like other schools will offer two thousand you know whatever so um I, you know like i think that's part of it too is like we're not trying to just throw around offers to throw around offers these are real offers that matter and you you can commit to them um now I, again like i said for UVA, you need to be a little bit more aware that you need to stand out and you need to find ways to have advantages. You're not, they're not, players aren't going to come to you. You have to go to them. Like, you know what I mean? So you can't just be like, oh, we'll throw an offer out and somebody's going to commit. And if they did think that, I'm sure they've been very surprised at the results so far. Um, so I think that, you know, things take time, but I, I, I kind of see the, the logic behind being deliberate and, um, making sure guys are the right fit and, and then all those other things you have to check off. Yeah. I think it's also important to note here that one of the tough parts about, I mean, look, just because, you know, Tony Elliott has been at Clemson and won national championships and all that fun stuff, just because these other guys have been other places and had some success, like they have not had camps where they watched these guys when they were younger and then watched them come back to see what their, their development was like. Right. Like they're still playing catch up on that. And, I understand that like right now we are in an, um, you know, kind of an, um, you know, an immediacy sort of society, right? Like in a lot of ways, recruiting has changed in part because, you know, whereas you used to wait for kids to have to, you know, have the chance to take their visits. Now they can take their visits earlier. Um, they, they basically can, um, you know, they can do it earlier in the process and that changes some of the dynamics. Right. But if you think about sort of what UVA, um, like we, we've talked before, right. About how in a lot of, a lot of these classes, UVA makes a lot of hay in a very small amount of time. Right. And 
a lot of times what happens is like a lot of those kids have come to camp, they've impressed and they've gotten the offer they were waiting for. But then some of those kids were also guys who, for whatever reason, UVA had been recruiting for a while, maybe, you know, multiple years, right? Tony and his staff right now don't have those guys that they've recruited for multiple years, right? So the idea that they can close them out as early as past staffs have is is a little bit problematic. Even though I know we live in an era where, like, you know, we just had a whole conversation about, hey, it's June 15th. They only have four commitments. Is that a problem? Um, even though we understand the reasons why doesn't mean that we don't necessarily wonder about the impact of, right? And what it might, you know, what it might signal about the class. I still think, though, that what they're doing, you know, Ferber's point earlier about foundational, right? Like this class has to address needs, but really this class is is as much about sort of, um, sort of almost for lack of a description, getting it done versus what they're trying to do in 24 and then eventually in 25, right? Because those are the classes where, hey, now you you you've actually had these kids in camp. You've seen what they were like from one year to the next. You've made those relationships. They know you. You know, you've been they've been the coach. Exactly. Like that kind of stuff. It does take a little bit of time for to rev up that machine. And I can understand for fans, like like Bronco and his folks felt like I mean, they were coastal champions two years ago, right? Like it it feels weird that you have to rev up the machine again, but that's just what change means, especially when you have wholesale change like like we had here, right? Like this is not it's not one of those things where you can just plug and play. Now, if you had a coach who came from an area who, you know, came from a school where he recruited that area and you could, you know, kind of copy and paste some of that stuff, tr- sure. But these coaches, you know, with the exclusion maybe of the, the the guys who were held over from the previous staff, like, they're not necessarily recruiting the exact same players they were recruiting before. And so it does take a little while for that machine to sort of rev up a little bit. Yeah, you're sort of starting over. And I think yeah. you made a couple good points. The first is that, like, the recruiting cycles to us seem like you open one, you know, you close the book on one, you open the book on another, but really the 2024 class is already being worked on. Right. So like, you're right. Like those relationships are already being built. You know, they're not really starting from scratch there. And I think also um, this is something I feel like I should have said at a different time, but like on the field, Tony Elliott is not inheriting a bad football team, like or a, a program that's downtrodden in, in that way that like Bronco did. Um, you know, there's not, you don't need to necessarily like blow the whole thing up. You know, you just need to make your tweaks and put your stamp on things, run your program and and try to build on what's already existed. But in recruiting and specifically in the state of Virginia, I think you can make a case that he is sort of inheriting a program that is not on the same level as the on-field results because despite their on-field success, they didn't really like turn it around in recruiting. Right. Is that fair? Yeah. So no, like, so like, I think like your recruiting machine and like your impact on the trail and like how you're perceived because how you're perceived is just as important or more than how you actually are um, for recruiting. So like, I think that is sort of a rebuild. Whereas like the on-field product is not like, oh man, like they're starting over with like a trash roster, you know, or anything like that. Um, But yeah, I think that is something worth considering. They are sort of, while they're not maybe necessarily rebooting the entire thing, they are sort of rebooting recruiting. Um, Yeah. Especially with all the changes that have happened too. Yeah. And it takes a little time. And that, and so, you know, I'm not necessarily telling you like, Hey, you know, be patient. I'm more just being like, look, this is the way it is. And you know, you either you either have to accept that 
and then see what happens so you can judge accurately or you could sort of be all out of out of whack and it doesn't really do you much good i, I kind of yeah. just they're gonna like, get players like yeah, everybody sure. everybody signs a recruiting class <laughs> like they're gonna be fine you know some some dudes will take those spots like yeah the question is 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 you know um whether the guys that they eventually get to sign them you know sign with them will be the guys that they wanted all along will they be guys that they had to figure out there's nothing i mean like look sometimes you do add guys late in a class that end up being guys you would have wanted all along if you'd known they were there yeah right um but the reality guys that blow up their senior year too yeah exactly like demique starling is a perfect example right like Dontavian Wicks, he's right. They're, these are really good players who, for whatever reason, they just didn't have the traction early on. Um, late additions sometimes are guys you're taking flyers on. Hey, let's just see if this works out. It's a, it's a, you know, a low risk, high reward sort of move. For a school like UVA, you're always going to have to take those guys. Like, there's always going to be. I think a that's what makes them, yep. a good class versus a class that's maybe not as good. Is how many of those guys do you have to take? Like, do you take in a 20 person class? Are you taking five or are you taking 12? <laughs> you know, because if you're taking 12, that's when you start to run into issues. Yeah, I agree. Dave, you've been very quiet the last few minutes. <laughs> for when I've talked about it, some great points. I don't really have much to add. Um, I'll just say, like, you know, you guys were talking about getting over there, you know, kind of the perception of what Virginia has been, especially in state. Like, the, I don't know if you can do that other than time. Time's the only thing that's going to do that. Um, I mean, I'll tell you from having talked to some people, there are recruits that Virginia was recruiting that have committed elsewhere who have said things like, if Virginia was more competitive, I probably would have committed there because we really love Tony Elliott. In what world is Virginia not competitive? So that's all perception, right? Virginia's got a better record the last five years than Tech or UNC. Um, it's just because so many people negatively recruit against UVA, and they do, Um you know, because Virginia lost to both of those schools last year, that's what's fresh in their minds, right? Oh, you know, UNC somehow gets this pass. Virginia Tech somehow gets a pass because they beat Virginia every year. Um, but, you know, on the scale of the schools that are recruiting most of the guys we're going after, which going to be, you know, a lot of ACC schools, Virginia is competitive. But for some reason, the perception is not out there. Um, and then you get into the high schools in Virginia. And I know we've um, – Everyone remembers what happened to Ben Smiley when he initially committed to UVA. Like that's still going on. So it's going to take a, a few years of having having our coaches in the schools. You know, the facilities getting built, results on the field, and just consistent visits to these schools before it becomes a thing. Like it might be, might only be twenty four twenty four. You start to get the Todd change. It might be twenty twenty five. It could be later, but mm-hmm. it's not going to change overnight. Um, yeah. And I don't know, like, you know, given what we're talking about with the roster as it's built now with just so many younger guys on it, um, I don't know that you want to just to fill a class and it will fill a class. Like at some point, you know, do you really want to go off for 10 guys who maybe aren't Virginia guys just to get a class when you don't have to? That'll be interesting to see, but I don't think we're going to get there. I have a feeling there's going to be an uptick pretty quickly. Um I, I like the message that the coaching staff's going. I think, you know, having the fo- football facility fully funded, um, getting a little more active in the NIL space will help. But then again, like, you know, we've been doing this podcast 10 plus years. This is a whole new frontier we're entering in the recruiting world. Like, yeah. you can be well positioned with a kid and someone could all call him tomorrow and say, you know, yeah, hey, here's a million dollars coming to our school. So, yeah. 
that's I'm just going to be interesting to deal with. Let, we're we're about fifty minutes in, so let's 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 dive into this a little bit. So we know that there are a bunch of schools out there who are definitely using NIL to their advantage to the extreme, right? I think the NCAA apparently visited Miami recently to talk about that extreme. Um, certainly there are schools who are doing a lot more than UVA is ever going to do. N- not necessarily from a mean standpoint, but from just like a um, shadiness standpoint, right? Um, clearly, though, UVA is trying to gear up um, its own NIL operation. There's the whole Cap Futures um, they, they've introduced some different measures, you know, things that fans can get involved in to, you know, essentially contribute directly to that effort. Um, I'm curious, Dave, let's, let's start with you. You, you obviously, I mean, this was something you, you sort of mentioned a while back, um, in the podcast recording, right? Um, but I'm just curious what, what stands out to you most. It, it certainly feels like to me that UVA has got to do something and that something is going to need to be. Um, if not necessarily significant, it, if nothing else, it's got to be competitive um, because if, without it, you know, th- that is going to be as bad as having a 90 year old facility. Right. Like it's going to be d- really detrimental to your class. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to do something. I just look, I'm fine if they don't want to offer it to recruits like I get it. You know, if you you want to offer to guys like Brennan and, you know, everyone else who, you know, Wicks, those guys who've proven themselves. Like to me, that, that was a whole intention of it, you know, to reward guys who have made a commitment to your program and produced or been a good, you know, member of the community, whatever it might be. Um, I can see Virginia not wanting to tie up a lot of money into offering it to recruits because look, let's be honest. No one, no one's going to, no one's going to enforce any of these rules, right? Miami's not sweating with the NCAA coming there because um, no, they're not going to do anything about it. So there are going to be schools who do it. Um, heck, you saw what James Franklin and Ryan Day basically, you know, Ryan Day asked for $13 million to, you know, for his class and James Franklin basically said, I needed what Ryan Day does. This is in public, you know, recorded conversations. Um but you, you got to do something. You, you got to have like a, whether it's not enticing them and saying, Hey, if you come here, look what we're doing for these guys. And I think that's what Virginia is doing. And look, I want to win. I want to see Virginia win. I want to see Virginia succeed. But the reason I'm a Virginia fan other than I was born into it is I like the way we do it. Right. Do it right. Um, you know, Carolina fans can beat their chest and say we're a great academic school and all this stuff, but they've got plenty of scandals. Um, I don't want that. I'll give up a couple years of, recruiting classes to make sure Virginia is doing it on the straight and narrow. And who cares if anyone else cares, right? I do. And I think most Virginia alums do most Virginia fans do. Um, so to me, like, you know, what we're doing, I, I like where they're going. They're a little late, but I think it's better to be a little late than early maybe. Um, Cause there's really no repercussions, but yeah, I think take care of the guys who, who are here, you know, that, mm. you know, if these recruits want to sign, have proof for them. Hey, if you come here and you do well, look, we're taking care of our guys. Um, and that's, that's what I'm willing to stomach. I'm not willing to stomach paying $20 million to sign a good recruiting class. Um, and I'm interested to see how that's going to work out because guess what? Texas A&M, every guy in that class isn't going to be a Texas A&M in two years. Yeah, There's going to be a lot of boosters true. with checks they wrote saying, was this worth it? Right. Yeah. I mean, Saban made some points about that in his thing that became 
another thing after he said it, but I thought that was the thing that I kind of agreed with him the most on was like, what do you do? What do you tell your boosters when the guys that they paid for don't play? Like, how does that work? Yeah. yeah. Um, do they fire you because you didn't pay the or play the right guy? Like, I don't know. Um, honestly, like, I feel like this is how I, we'll see. I feel like there's always been a di- you know, dichotomy or whatever in college football between schools that um, I guess back then it would have been considered cheating. Now it still kind of is, but like Dave said, it's kind of in a gray area or it's not going to, it doesn't seem like it's like on the, you know, high mm-hmm. on the priority list. Yeah. I feel like there's always been those schools. Um, and then there's like the next tier of schools. Um, and then there's obviously shades of gray in between. Right. So like there's schools that cut corners, but they don't really cheat that much or whatever. And I don't know. It just depends on how you look at it. Um, yeah, I agree with that. And I think that UVA is in that second group, like in the group of schools that aren't paying players like outright to come to their school. Like um, not to say that it's never happened ever, but you know, like it's not something that's a common practice. I don't really think that that sort of stuff. I don't think that like, the stuff that you hear, you know, the, the articles on the athletic about what Ohio state's doing, that doesn't apply to UVA and it never has because UVA doesn't play that game. So like they just don't like, they don't, they're not in the same sphere and they very rarely compete with Ohio state for players ever. Um, having said that UVA played in the orange bowl a few years ago. So uh, like, I don't think it means like they can't play. I, I think they just need to have a plan. So like when a player says, what's your NIL situation, they should be able to answer that and not just be like, well, that's not something that we do because then you might as well just give it up because like, what are you doing? Like you're not trying to be competitive. And I think that they probably do have a pretty good NIL pitch. Now I do wonder what was going on six months ago though, because we hadn't heard like anything about what they were doing then. Um, so I think like things have sort of made a leap So you have to at least be like what Dave said, like give them an idea of what could be available to players, what the school is doing to help facilitate things, make them see that there's some value there. Um, But then also highlight all the things that you've always done well. Um, And, and I still think that's going to be enough to get some players. So like, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. Um, And we'll see where things go. I think we've said on this podcast before there could be like a market here that that is being oversaturated and it could come back to earth pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that UVA is fighting battles on a few different fronts, negative recruiting in the facilities piece. I wrote Tony Elliott said outright that they get negative recruited for a lot of different reasons by their competitors for players. And, and that's fine. I mean, I'm sure UVA negative recruits other schools or has at some point, um, so, you know, it's part of the game. You just have to be able to – your pitch needs to be better than theirs. That's what you have to do. Um, and I, I'm not saying you cheat, but, like, you have to be able to find ways to win, right? Um, other schools have overcome adv- disadvantages, whether financial or otherwise, to get players. Um, Carolina has seemingly overcome the fact that they don't win to get players. Um, you know, like I I think you have to figure uh, Virginia tech has gotten players to go to Blacksburg. Um, so I mean like you can do it, man, be careful. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean like you can do it. You just have to figure out what your niche is, what your pitch is. That was terrible. Like in, in, uh, inadvertent rhyme. Um, but yeah, I think you just have to figure out what works for you. Like Dave said, be who you are. Um, but also make sure that you're, you're, 
doing what you can to be competitive with the guys that you can get. Here's here's the thing I was just noticing. So earlier we were talking about sort of like offers in the class and stuff. So I just flipped the f- switch and said, show me, I was like looking at the database and I was like, show me the 2024 players who have UVA offers, but who have not committed. Right. And as you look at this list, it's not necessarily that there are so many of them. It's that there are a lot of them from like this, what I would call the geographical footprint. Right. So like the Virginia area, Carolina, um, you know, basically the kind of schools that you would expect. This is a, this is a list that, to me tells the story because at this point what you want to have is a good basis for the next class and i really do believe in my heart of hearts that the more the better uva does on the recruiting trail in general right the better that the nil situation will help to enhance that there are going to be kids like we talked about who uva is not just not going to get Right, because you know that player's looking for X, and that's just not a thing that's going to happen. They weren't getting that guy, but they weren't exactly. They weren't getting that dude anyway. What this what this whole thing should do, right, is make what you what you're already doing make it better, right? Make it easier, in the sense of like the kids who are going to be interested in your school anyway, right? Because they like X, they like Y, they like A, they like B, right? When you also throw in the NIL piece of it, that should be a clincher, right? This is this is not necessarily going to put you in a conversation, despite what I think some fans might hope this is, is is like some, you know, silver bullet that's just going to rocket UVA up the, you know, the ladder. Um, But what this is really going to do is it's going to allow you, I think, to to shine a brighter light uh, on, on your school and on your program to folks who were already looking for it. Right. It's not it's not necessarily that it's going to change hearts and minds. It's it's going to kind of solidify for people like oh yeah this is good and also right like the people who are going to be interested in your school are still the same people like those kids are the same kids the difference is some of them probably say yes because they're able to get the nil piece at uva as well right versus if uva didn't have anything and work in that operation and you know insert name of you know opposing school for the player right does um, you sort of have to keep up with the Joneses, but again, UVA wasn't going to get these other guys anyway. They're not going to get them now because nobody's giving out Lamborghinis, right? Like the reality is, is that what UVA needs is to recruit well um, in general, and then let NIL do what it can do to enhance that recruitment um, and make it more positive. Uh, yeah, so, I yeah. agree. I think I think the one challenge Tony is going to have. Um, over the next couple of years is his stance on transfers um, at Clemson. You understand why they really didn't do it. Right. They're, they're landing what 15, mm-hmm. 15 to 24 or five stars. Yeah. Class. People always made a big deal about them not taking transfers. And I think a lot of that was like, they didn't need to. Yeah. No, Cause they, they had to. Right. Yeah. They, they had talented guys who were willing to Dabo not didn't play have a for log two into the years. Portal. Right. <laughs> you know, we didn't know it existed. <laughs> yeah. So like to me in, you know, exactly what Brad was just talking about as far as NIL and all that stuff. I think the the population of recruit that Virginia will always have an advantage over a lot of its competition with is is the transfer. It's the kid who's 20 years old, 21 years old, who now realizes, oh, everyone who's been telling me I'm a future pro wasn't necessarily right. I better get the degree and hope I become a pro, right? Like that's that's the audience to me that Virginia has a significant advantage of, you know, for you know over 
over traditional powers. You know, that kid who's maybe a marginal NFL prospect as a junior, but is smart and realizes, hey, I got a chance to get a degree that means a lot more. So that's going to be interesting play. to watch develop to me. Um, you know, if, if I'll be like, I, I know what, what Tony Elliott kind of feels like, how he, how he does about the transfer market. But I think Virginia is just so different than Clemson that I will be absolutely shocked if Tony doesn't change his stance on transfers in the next year or two. Um, and I mean, well, I th- you're going to have to. I think what he did this year. I think what he did this year shows that you know they're they're doing stuff like. Oh yeah, it definitely does, and it you know shows he's he understands like you can have all this grandiose like I want to build a program the right way and all that stuff, but ultimately the way you, way you're able to stick around and do it is by winning some games along the way, right? Yeah, and I think nobody goes into it with the intention of taking transfers because you think all the guys you got are going to be great. So yeah. it's like, you know, you're not you don't feel like you're going to need to do that, but everybody does. I think you're right. I think UVA actually has a couple different advantages with transfers. That what you mentioned, the degree, um I think that's big. I think also like they can recruit certain from certain other programs. Like if you play at a program that values the same things that UVA does in, in terms of academics, you were already sold on that pitch once. It's going to be easy for UVA to pitch you on the same thing again. Like, you know what I mean? So like think about how they've done with the Ivy League schools. Um, think about like, you know, the guys from like Northwestern and places like that that come Notre Dame, that come available. Like UVA can sort of make that pitch um, to those guys, which they'll be receptive to. I also think they have – the potential to get guys is like bounce back second chance you throw the degree in, but you also get an opportunity to play. Um, and then they're right in the sweet spot between levels where it's like, you can get a dude that maybe wants to play ACC football that plays at Tulane. Um, but maybe he's not going to get an Alabama offer, but UVA might be interested so he could jump up a level. Um, right. And that sort of thing. So I think they're in sort of a sweet spot for that. And if you pick the right transfers, like this is where I think there's going to be some weird, I think NIL may, maybe makes things look like the parity will be shifted more towards the halves. And that mm-hmm. could definitely be right. the case. Right. But I think with transfers, it sort of balances it out yeah. because if you hit the right quarterback transfer, you can uh-huh. just automatically just be good. Like yep. you can like go to the orange bowl or something. Yeah. yeah that's that's right. what I mean. Like if you hit the right guy, a couple guys, like you can go from like six and six to nine and three. Like yeah, pretty that, easily. this is the thing people don't really understand. UVA was like two transfers, three transfers on the defensive side of the ball from like last year being ridiculously special, right? Because that offense was ridiculously special. They weren't, you know, the defense just was not up to the task. If the defense had been like 60th nationally, yeah, which average, yeah. they would have been probably like a 10 win team. Yeah. Which is, you know, how many times has that been done? Um, so I, yeah, no, I think that's, that's a really good point. Um, <laughs> All right, let, I think that's a good place to put a pen in it for this week. Um, anything else for the good of your before we wrap up? You guys good? Okay, good. Uh, I love when I ask that question and you guys don't say anything. It's always my favorite. All right, if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your programs. Um, and if you want to give us a rating to review, we appreciate that, as long as it's a good one. In which, if it's not, you can you can just you know not do that. Hey, Brad, fine. we're good. uh let's see if you're somebody who's found the pod but has not given us a look at the website yet check us out at calvescorner.com right now uh ferber mentioned the um the transfer roundup that he did uh we talked to um 2024 quarterback christian martin from the aforementioned highland springs um 
I, that, that Monday motivation column, I was fired up the other day. <laughs> I don't know if you guys read that, but um, I, I just, I don't appreciate the fact that UVA apparently just never gets the benefit of the doubt in any of these situations. But anyway, um, I want to thank My Perfect Franchise for their support of the website and of the show. You can visit MyPerfectFranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. And I, of course, want to thank Dave and Ferber for being graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate it. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber and Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. Let's